We'll turn now to God's word for our readings from Scripture. And this morning I want to read two short readings from uh, Psalm uh, 72, Isaiah 60, and then from Matthew chapter 2, about the visit of the wise men. These two references in Psalm uh, 72 and Isaiah 60 give a veiled reference to the prophecy of the coming of the wise men to visit Jesus Christ. So in Psalm 72, we read these words at verse 8 to 11. He will rule from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. The desert tribes will bow before him and his enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and distant shores will bring tributes to him. The kings of Sheba and Seba present gifts, him gifts. All kings will bow down to him and all nations will serve him. And then in Isaiah chapter 60 we read these words at verse 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. And then from Matthew chapter uh, 2, we read the account of the visit of the wise men to Jesus Christ. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born, King of the Jews? We saw a star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people, the chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will be the shepherd of my people, Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out for them exactly the time the star had appeared. He sent him to Bethlehem and said, Go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me, so that I may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. The star they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and incense and myrrh. Having warned and dreamed not to go back to Herod, they returned to the country by another route. May God bless his blessing to his readings from his holy word. Amen. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we pray this day as we read your holy and eternal word and study it. Open our eyes to behold wondrous things from your word for Christ's sake. Amen. This morning we want to focus our thoughts for a few moments on that account of the visit of the wise men to Jesus Christ. At Christmas time you often see little phrase, Jesus is the reason for the season. But at this time of the year I have seen a little little sticker which says, wise men seek Jesus. And so this is what we want to think about this morning, the coming of the wise men to seek Jesus Christ. 
Matthew's purpose in writing this gospel uh, was to convince the Jews who Jesus Christ was. So often he uses the words, it is written or it has been fulfilled throughout the whole of his gospel that comes into vogue and into play. Matthew was very much at pains to point out that all the references from the Old Testament prophecies he uses in his gospel were to point to who Jesus Christ was. And not only that Jesus Christ was to come for the Jews, but he was to come for the Gentiles as well. Hence why he puts this account of a visit of the wise men uh, in his gospel and very early on in the gospel. So it's important to remember that God had a plan and purpose for the salvation of all the world. A promise he had made way back in the time of Abraham. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you. And so when you read the genealogy in Matthew's Gospel in the chapter 1, we discover there uh, Gentile women mentioned, Rahab and Ruth, who are part, <coughs> excuse me, part of the ancestor of Jesus Christ, and they were Gentile women. So Matthew, as I say, is very clear in the purpose of his Gospel to point out that Jesus Christ came for everybody but also to convince the Jews who were very doubtful and dismissive of who Jesus Christ was, the recognition of the fact that he was the Messiah of all the people. So that's why I read those two references to you from uh, Psalm 72 and Isaiah 60. They are a reference to the kings coming and presenting their gifts of worshiping Jesus Christ. And here we see it fulfilled in the visit of the Magi to Jesus in Jerusalem. Of course, then Matthew also, when the question is asked uh, by the wise men, where is he going to be born? Micah, the prophet who said Bethlehem was where Jesus was going to be born, uh, is mentioned. But also the last line of it, who will be the shepherd of my people Israel, is a reference to Second uh, Samuel chapter 5 and verse 2. Reminding us that this king who came and was born in Bethlehem in fulfilment of prophecy was going to be the shepherd of God's people. And who was Jesus Christ? Who did he claim to be? I am the good shepherd, he said. He looked on the people as sheep without a shepherd. He had compassion upon them, the Gospels tell us. So Matthew, in his purpose of his Gospel, points out who Jesus is very clearly by these words. And by the significant question the Magi asked, or the wise men asked, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? These wise men, who are astrologers, who came from what we would call modern-day Iran, who studied the stars, who studied all the, the writings of those times, and maybe, no doubt, studied the Old Testament uh, books as well. But they came to realise this great bright star which is in this, the heavens in the skies was something significant, something special something so unique and new that they were came to a realisation that some great event had happened they put all things together as it were and came to a realisation some special king was born hence why they came from the east of Jerusalem and asked this question, where is the one who's been born, King of the Jews? You see, God the Creator 
could use the creation as well in this very unique event this very special star was shone in the skies because you know with God nothing is impossible <clears throat> all things are possible with God and so we used events of creation to speak of an important event which had taken place and these wise men they came <clears throat> and they presented <coughs> excuse me three important gifts gold frankincense and myrrh recognition that this was someone very special that only the very best could be given to this king this king of the jews that's why they gave him gold a king in those days was seen as almost being like god a very divine being so in recognition they brought this gift this was a king the king of the jews the son of god and of course we know him to be the king of kings and lord of lords it would only be later that peter would recognize who jesus was and say you are the christ of god or the messiah when jesus christ died over his head the words in various languages said the king of the jews Pilate asked him, are you a king? And the crowds in rejecting Jesus said, they did not want Jesus as a king. So yes, Jesus was a king. And those who rejected him, in a sense at the end of his life, recognized who he was. So the wise men, Gentiles, were the first and very important people to recognize Jesus as a king. And so give accordingly a gift Frankincense used by the priests in, as incense in sacrifices offered in the temple was pointing to the very priestly role or sacrificial role of Jesus Christ. He wasn't going to come as any ordinary priest and offer sacrifices of incense in the temple. He was going to offer his own body as a perfect, complete sacrifice, pleasing to God. Hebrews 7.27 says, he sacrificed for their sins once for all when he offered himself. So these wise men presenting this gift of frankincense were going to recognize prophetically perhaps that Jesus Christ was as perfect offering of his own body as a sacrifice in presenting this gift. But of course we know that Jesus Christ continues to intercede, the scripture says, for us in heaven. He comes to bring our prayers before the throne of grace, before God our Heavenly Father. Every time we pray, bring our needs to God our Father. We go through Jesus Christ. That's why we say at the end of our prayers, in Jesus' name we pray. So, gift of frankincense is recognizing Jesus' mediating role, his priestly role, his sacrificial role on our behalf. And myrrh, of course, was pointing to death that Jesus Christ would die. Myrrh was an important embalming spice used in dead bodies. After Jesus died on, on that first Easter, the women, not knowing that Jesus Christ was dead, we read in Mark chapter 16 said, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary Mother of James and Salome bought sweet spices so they might go to anoint the body of Jesus Christ. The death of Jesus Christ in the presentation of this gift of myrrh was recognized by the wise men of that time. So these gifts, as I say, go to recognize that Jesus Christ was unique, he was special, 
and he had a very important and particular role to play to play as king, uh, priest and, and sacrifice for our lives. But how much in contrast to that is the, of the wise men who it says when they come into the house saw the child with Mary's mother bowed down worshipped him and opened and presented their treasures with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. The contrast of Herod who yes seemed curious who was this king where has he been born? Where did the star appear? An interrogation of the wise men had taken place by Herod. But Herod had an ulterior motive. His motive was not to come and worship Jesus Christ, but to eliminate Jesus Christ. Because you see, Herod, who was a puppet king put there by the Roman authorities, was very insecure. He'd have what we call today an inferiority complex. He was a cruel leader cruel, wicked, ruthless leader and king who wouldn't stop at anything or anyone to be sure he was in total control. It's reputed that he put his own wife and two sons to death because he felt them to be a threat to his kingly power. So this man was totally ruthless. That's why it says he was disturbed, or other versions say troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Those who knew Herod knew how ruthless he was, and they feared what was he going to do uh, to ensure that he kept in control, in authority? And we'll see uh, next week what his result was when he couldn't find Jesus. The death of all uh, baby boys under two years of age. But we read here of the wickedness of Herod. A troubled man who was the first person in a sense to reject Jesus Christ. And that was going to go on, wasn't it, down through history. The early church was troubled and rejected and put to death many of its people because those who were of Jewish origin despised Jesus Christ and sought to eliminate Christianity and Christ from the world. The early church right down even to the present day the church and the gospel are being persecuted and the followers of christ and put to death it's nothing new today for christians to be brought into public and beheaded in many countries in the world in many countries in the world which legislate ban the freedom of worship and open witness to jesus christ our country more subtle means are used aren't they when we read about uh, various legislations the government enact to undermine the teachings and authority of scripture on particular areas of moral living where open preaching in, in the streets uh, street preachers are seen as inciting hatred there's legislation now where conversion therapy where clergy in the future may not be allowed to pray with people who have personal or pastoral issues we may not, not be allowed to talk about them, but their lives being converted and changed up to following Jesus Christ. There's those groups of people, believe it or not, some who claimed that they are Christians, who say it's wrong to exercise a pastoral ministry among people who have problems, particularly with moral issues. So you see, in a subtle way, the gospel has been undermined today as well. But here was Herod. He's a prime example of a world which rejects Jesus Christ and the claims of Jesus Christ, his kingly rule over their lives. 
They don't want any king to be king of their lives, only themselves. But the wise men's visit teaches three important things. They teach us the important thing, first of all, that wise men or wise people, if it be very uh, modern-day terminology and not being gender-biased, but these people, these wise men, sought Jesus Christ. Remember, they gave up an awful lot. They left their homeland, their homes, their families, their jobs, or the security of everything they knew, the familiarity. They travelled strange territory. They came from the east to Jerusalem. They didn't know what lay ahead of them. All that guided them was a star. And they came to worship Jesus Christ. They were desiring to seek him. Nothing was going to stop them. They were totally determined. No obstacles were put in their way. And remember, there may have been obstacles. The changing of culture as they travelled across the territory from Iran or Persia uh, to Jerusalem. They were determined. And I said it was costly. Bandits and all sorts of things came in their way. Weather conditions, whatever it may have been. But nothing was an excuse or an obstacle to stop them giving up in the determination to come and to meet Jesus Christ. And we read how they were overjoyed when they came to the place where Jesus was born. The Bible tells us that we are to seek the Lord when he be found to call upon him while he is near. Call upon this day of opportunity. These wise men only had one opportunity to follow a star and to meet Jesus Christ and they took it and used it. We have only one opportunity when we have this life to come and seek the Lord, to come and trust in him, the one who is King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the one who is Saviour of us and of all mankind from our sins. We should never allow any obstacle no one or anything to come in the way of us, giving total commitment of our lives and our faith and trust in Jesus Christ. He did say, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Seek first. That's the first thing. The psalmist is very clear about us seeking the Lord and following him, of being spending time in God's presence. One thing I ask the Lord this is what I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, to seek him in his temple. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, will I seek. Importance, like the wise men, we seek Jesus Christ. He's not lost, he's there. He's there waiting for us to come to him and to trust in him and to give our lives to him and present our gifts as those wise men did. The wise men worshipped Jesus Christ. It says that they bowed down and worshipped him. They gave Jesus Christ his worship. They recognised who he was. They saw him as as that special person, the king of the Jews. They put together what the Jewish people couldn't put together, that this was the shepherd of the people of Israel. This was the ruler of God's people. The one born in Bethlehem was a special person this king of the Jews. And so they worshipped him. They gave him his worship. Now sometimes, unfortunately, we confine worship to what we're doing here in church today. But worship worship is worship. Giving Jesus Christ is worship. In all of our lives, every part of our lives, what happens? The other 
days of the week, the other hours of each day, outside the confines of this church, these church doors, that Jesus Christ is given the central place in our lives, in all we do, our thoughts, our words, our deeds, we honour him. Unfortunately, sadly, we all fail to not give Jesus Christ his worship all the days of our lives, every day of our lives. Remember, Jesus Christ goes with us. We can't see him. He knows and hears everything, our thoughts, words and deeds, as the hymn says. Our daily living should be honouring and glorifying to Jesus Christ. Our conversations with other people, our manner of behaviour should be honouring to Jesus Christ. These men were humble. They humbled themselves. That should be the attitude of our lives. Humility, recognition of who we are. We are sinners saved by God's grace. That's who we are. And therefore, we need to give him his worship, recognising who he is. Jock Anderson, many years ago, wrote a book, Worship the Lord. And this is what he said. For many Christians, worship has to do with moving of the mouth and lips, but not with doing other things. With Sunday, but not Monday to Saturday. Living worship of which Jesus speaks flows from a relationship with a loving Heavenly Father. To worship him as he really means worship him with all we are, all we have, all we do. Our worship needs to be living, our living needs to be worship. If our churches or our personal lives are to be seen to be authentic, then this central diamond must be present, the worship of the living God. In other words, our worship must be genuine with our lips and with our lives in spirit and in truth, giving the best that we can give. They opened their treasures. A treasure is something very special, very valuable, very important. These men, I'm sure, yes, had made a costly journey, but they'd also maybe given all they had to buy these gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh to give to this special king. They'd give the very best they had to him. And Jesus only calls the, what we can give, the treasure of our lives. Because this most important thing we can do is give our lives to Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour of them. At Christmas time, sometimes we sing a hymn in the bleak midwinter. In that familiar verse at the end says, What can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give I would bring a lamb. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. Yet what can I give him? Give him my heart. That's what the true worship of Jesus Christ and God looks for in our lives. The worship of our lives. The giving of our lives. Romans chapter 12 says to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is our reasonable worship. That's the very basic God asks for us, is to give our lives, to love him with all our heart, mind, soul and strength. That's what true worship of God is. So these wise men worshipped Jesus Christ, gave him his worship, and they did so humbly. Then lastly, the wise men obeyed Jesus Christ. They followed that star. The star was the guiding principle to bring them from the east to Jerusalem and then to to Bethlehem, to that manger where Jesus Christ was laid. A star, they obeyed it, What do we obey? Well, simply, God's word is left for us today to obey. 
God shows us through the written word how we may live lives that please him, how we live lives of faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And surely in these days, these very dark and difficult days, these days which are uncertain, and 2021, so far, the few days has unfolded, doesn't look really much more certain than 2020 was, does it? We still have the virus, it's behaving in a new way, constantly changing rules and regulations. We, we don't know what's happening from day to day, and the authorities, medically and uh, politically, making continuous changes of rules and regulations. We don't know when it's going to end. Yes, we're hopeful that the virus, uh, the vaccine for the virus, may be a means towards bringing it to an end. But who knows? Only, not been flippant, only God knows. Only he can be trusted in. Only he can be looked to for the days which lie ahead. And that's the lesson of the wise men. They looked to Jesus. They looked to the star to guide them. And we need to look to Jesus Christ we need to look to the Word of God. We need to put a greater deepener depends upon prayer and trust in Him, and obedience and faith and trust in Christ and in the Word of God for the days which lie ahead. That's how we know what God's will is for our lives. It's not just with our lips saying, Lord, Lord, but it's living out our lives and doing God's will. Not, not everyone who uh, says, Lord, Lord, Jesus said, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. So Jesus Christ calls for obedient disciples today. Discipleship is costly. Bonhoeffer said, when Jesus calls us, he bids us come and die. It doesn't mean physical death, but dying to ourselves. Jesus said the true disciple was one who denied themselves, took up the cross and followed Jesus Christ daily. The qualification of discipleship is total commitment to Jesus Christ, obedience to him and his word. The cross cancels out self and allows Christ to be king of our lives. So the question I suppose at the end of the day is, who is the king of our lives? Who is the king of people's lives in the world today? Certainly, for many people, other things is king of their lives. Apart from self, greed, uh, and secularism, social life, and a good life, the pleasures, money, we could go on the list, is endless, that people make king of their lives. So basically, it's I is king of my life. I want to be king, and the things I do is to please me and give me happiness and pleasure and contentment. The gifts I want to use are for my own end, my own being, my own glory. But Jesus Christ and this account of the wise men here tells a totally different story. It's a coming humbly acknowledging who Jesus Christ is as these wise men did. They recognise him as the king of the Jews, as someone special. As I said, by the gifts they gave, they recognise his unique, special and important role. And so this world today needs the king of kings and lord of lords because after all, this King of Kings and Lord of Lords is coming back again. And as we know, not as the baby in Bethlehem, but as the judge of all the world to establish the new heaven, the new earth, his new kingdom, where only those who have sought him, who have worshipped him, who have obeyed him, who have put their faith and trust in him, will be part of that new kingdom. So the challenge for us today here 
at the beginning of 2021 is a challenge that the wise men presents to us. Do we come humbly before Christ? Do we open our lives to Jesus Christ? Invite him in. Are we overjoyed that Jesus Christ has come to be our saviour? Overjoyed that Jesus Christ loves us, cares for us, be with us every day of life. Whatever the unknowns, uncertainties, fears or concerns we have for this year, the one great certainty is Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forevermore. He is the one we can totally rely on trusting him. Let's, like these wise men who followed the star, guided by it, allow Jesus Christ to be the guiding star of our lives this day and every day. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God, remember how you led the wise men to Bethlehem by the light of a star. Guide us as we travel through life. Guide us by faith in Christ to the heavenly city where the throne of God and the Lamb is, where there will be no more night. None will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light. So may we and all people know Jesus as the true and only and living way. In his name we pray. Amen. <coughs>